Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 23rd of May 2010, entitled Triumphing Over a Troublesome World, and the Bible reading is Psalm 3. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word from Psalm 3, beginning in verse 1. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. See long. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. The Lord will richly add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. You may be seated. I said earlier that uh, those that weren't here would miss a special blessing because I plan on having a shortish sermon this evening for me. I really want to uh, give you some thoughts of just encouragement this evening. I guess that uh, a lot of times messages can be challenging, and we need that sometimes. But this evening, I really want to encourage you as we look. This is the very first psalm of David that is recorded for us in, in the psalms. And as we look there, then I would encourage you this evening to try to just look at the situation that David was in when he wrote this psalm. Most of us, you know, he begins here, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. We know that most commentators would agree that David was writing this during the time that, of course, his own son Absalom had turned against him. And he had raised up the armies against him. And so, you know, I guess that we can relate in a lot of the situations a lot of times that there are a lot of things around us in this world that trouble us. And many times we genuinely feel that everybody else is just rising up against us, that there just seems to be no support. And as we look at this psalm this evening, we recognize that the psalmist knew what he was talking about. The psalmist was in an extremely difficult situation. The psalmist was here in a case where that truly he had many enemies coming against him, and of course we find him literally having to hide for his life. And of course it was his own son that was doing that. And as we look and try to apply some of these simple principles to our lives, because you know the truth is, is that the title of our thought this evening is simply 
triumphing over a troublesome world. We're not going to change that there's a troublesome world that we live in. But we can, can live victorious, triumphant lives amid all the troubles of this world that are around us. We want to look at a few of those things. Now, this is probably foolish. I was telling somebody earlier, you know, one of the, one of the tough things and when the heat starts hitting like this is, of course, when you're doing the leading the service and the leading the music and the preaching the sermon, the old voice starts kind of uh, giving way. But uh, as we were singing there, the Lord just laid this, this song upon my heart. It's a song that's been a blessing to me at times when, when I felt like that, you know, the, the troubles were just building up and the storms were piling in. Then the words to this great old song that's actually in our hymn book, Till the Storm Passes By, many times has, has come back to me. So I'm going to try to sing it. But if my throat starts struggling too much, pick up your hymn book and join in and, and, and help me if my voice starts giving away too much. All right. In the dark of the midnight have I oft hid my face while the storm howls above me and there's no hiding place. Mid the crash of the thunder, precious Lord, hear my cry, keep me safe. Till the storm passes by. Join me on the chorus. Till the storm passes over. Till the thunder sounds no more. Till the clouds roll forever. From the sky. Hold me fast. Let me stand. In the hollow of thy hand, keep me safe till the storm passes by. Many times Satan whispered, there is no need to try, for there's no end of sorrow there's no hope by and by, but I know thou art with me, and tomorrow I'll rise where the storms never darken the skies till the storm passes over. Till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by when the long night has ended and the storms come no more let me stand in thy presence on that bright peaceful shore in that land where the tempest 
never comes. Lord, may I dwell with thee till the storm passes by, till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more. Till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. And I guess that song came to mind because I think that that was the kind of confidence that we find the psalmist displaying here in Psalm 3. As we think this evening about this simple thought, triumphing over a troublesome world, I want you to notice, first of all, in verses 1 and 2, the trouble for the Christian. The trouble for the Christian relates very much to the same trouble that David was facing then, First of all, we can look around us, and as Christians, the trouble that is around us, the numbers are many. The world is a big place. Absalom had literally stolen the hearts of the people right from under his dad. David never, ever asked for the trouble. David never started this trouble. David never wanted this trouble from all that we can gather. We find that it was never David's desire for his son or these people to be his enemy. As a matter of fact, from all that we gather, David would have been willing to reconcile at a moment's notice if only Absalom had been willing to come to him, to, to, to repent, to, to seek that reconciliation in the same way. You see, David was willing, but Absalom had made his choice wasn't the same choice that David would have made, but David was suffering the consequences of that choice. Oftentimes, I can certainly say that I don't choose for the sake of it for the world to be my enemy. The truth is, is that you and I as believers, if we've chosen the Lord Jesus Christ, we've made the only possible choice that we can make. We find that it is the world around us that is either rejecting or betraying God and His truths. It's not that we are seeking to be their enemies. The truth is, simply by the choice that we have made, it is going to be a natural byproduct of that. Satan was the one that betrayed God. God didn't betray Satan. We find that every human being now simply has those two sides to choose from. Whose side is he going to be on? And as we look around us, the numbers are many. The Bible tells us that that's a wide, wide road of even those that think that they're going in the right direction, but it's a way that leads to destruction. Few there be that find that narrow gate. We find that as we travel through this world, just as David found here, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. You know, first of all, they 
They will be very active many times in the trouble. They make no bones about it. We find that we live in a day when many of us have seen many things become a part of our everyday lives around us in society that we never ever would have thought even 20 or 30 years ago would have been a possibility. We find that the trouble is going to increase. I think it was Brother Chris that touched on during the Sunday school hour this morning during the adult Bible study. You know, there's some that think that this world is going to get better and better and better. But folks, as I look in God's Word, it's only going to get worse and worse and worse until the day that the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and He Himself is the only one that will be able to straighten it out. We find that there's trouble. There's a lot of them. And they're going to actively oppose the Christians. As a matter of fact, most of them see the Christians as just easy prey. That's what the psalmist, many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. You know, they don't really even consider or believe that there's anything to your faith whatsoever. They have no fear of God, and so therefore they have no fear of what they do to you or what they bring against you. In truth, it's just a lie of Satan. And of course, it's the lie of Satan that convinces so many people of so many things in this world. If they really believed that, that God existed <laughs> and that you were on God's side and that they were actually fighting against God, then it'd be like going out and committing suicide. But that's not what they think at all. They're convinced of a lie. They're convinced that they've got the upper hand. They're convinced that this is all just some kind of folly that you're involved in in this Christian faith. So I just want you to realize that sometimes as you're living in this troublesome world, the trouble, and I'm not even going to begin to try to spell out the different troubles that might come against you because it doesn't make any difference. I mean, this was a pretty tough one that David was going through when it was his own son that had turned all these enemies against him and that were now wanting his destruction. But we find that whatever that trouble is, there's going to be troubles but I want you to notice secondly here the tactics of the Christian. You see, there's a way that we need to handle this trouble. And the first thing I want you to notice, notice what he says in verse 3, but thou, O Lord, remember whose side you're on. <laughs> remember who it is that when you put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, remember who it was that you were signing up with. Remember that you are now in Christ. Remember who He is. But thou, O Lord, He says. O Lord. Literally, notice in your Bible, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah God. We find that He's relicking here to, to that true one existing one, that proper name of the one true God that was so sacred that the Hebrews wouldn't even pronounce it. But thou, O Lord, thou, Jehovah God. He says, thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. What do we use a shield for? We use a shield to protect ourselves. I like what Mr. Spurgeon said about this. He says this. He said, the word in the original signifies more than a shield. It means a buckler roundabout. 
a protection which shall surround a man entirely, a shield above, beneath, around, without, within. Oh, what a shield is God for his people. He wards off the fiery darts of Satan from beneath and the storms of trials from above, while at the same instant he speaks peace to the tempest within the breasts. You see, thou, O Lord, Jehovah God, the true one existent one, thou art my shield. You're the one, you're the protection that I have on every side, round about. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember just who it is that is your protector that they've got to get through in order to get to you. Thou, O Lord, art my shield, my glory, he says, the sole source of all the good things, of all the, the blessings of our life. God deserves not most. God deserves all the glory for all the goodness that comes our way. John Gill said this, he says, who took David from the sheepfold and made him king over Israel. Who, who in their right mind, with any intelligence whatsoever, who would have ever, ever dreamed that he would take a shepherd boy and make him king of his chosen nation. That was what God did with David. He took him. Gil says, who took David from the sheepfold and made him king over Israel and raised him to all the glory he had enjoyed and in whom he glorified as his covenant God and of whom he made his boast and not of his strength, valor, wisdom, riches, and honor. Find that as we look into the New Testament Notice what your Bible says in, first of all, in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Notice what he says there in verse 14. He says, And if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. <laughs> if ye be reproached, for Christ, happy are ye. Why? For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. You find that in John chapter 17, the Gospel of John, John chapter 17 and verse... Verse 22 says, And the glory which thou gavest me, this is Jesus praying to God the Father, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. The inseparableness. What Jesus Christ has done for us. You see, remember whose side you're on. Remember who it is that is your shield, that is your glory. And I just, I think this, this word helps describe because how many of you, how many of you have ever felt depressed? <laughs> Nobody? <laughs> how many of you have never felt depressed? 
How many of you have never known anybody that felt depressed? Matter of fact, if we get our eyes upon the world around us, we live in a pretty depressing world. And there's plenty to pull us down. And the truth is, as Christians, we need to recognize and realize that, that listen, yes, there's a world around us, and it's going to be bringing trouble our way. But if we focus upon the problems and the troubles and, and allow those things to fear us, but we need to remember whose side that we're on. Because notice what the psalmist says here, and the lifter up of mine head. He's, he's the greatest antidepressant in the world. <laughs> we find that today there's probably more people that have to be on medications because of the depressing times that we live in and the things that it doesn't. He says, he is the lifter upper of mine head. He's the one that raises me from despondency, in other words. David had a pretty good reason to be despondent. I mean, his own son had betrayed him. His own son had turned his people against him. His own son is the one that had driven him into hiding. I'd say that if we had a reason to be depressed, he had a pretty good one. Christians today, despondency is, is all too real. Christian Law Association, the United States took a survey. It was printed in June or July of 1999, so just over 10 years ago. The shocking thing was, when they took this survey, the, the survey was to see how many people had to take antidepressants, some kind of medication for it. There was 8% of the population that were non-Christians that were taking antidepressants. But there was 7% of the Christians that were taking antidepressants. So there wasn't a whole lot of difference out there between the world and the Christians. And yet, folks, we've got the greatest antidepressant in the world. We've got the greatest thing to, to lift our heads out of despondency. If we remember whose side we're on, remember who it is that is our protector. Remember who it is that is our glory. Remember who it is that will lift us. When we need to be lifted, Christians aren't exempt. Medication, I'm, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Medication is the last thing that's my field. But I do believe this. I know that there's times when medications are necessary, but I believe with all my heart this evening, the greatest thing to lift you from your despondency and your depression, Christians, is to remember, get your eyes, get your focus off of the world and the problems and the troubles and everything that's going on and remember whose side you're on. Remember who it is that saved you. Remember who it is that's your shield, that's your glory, that's the one that will lift your head out of despondency. It's Him, Jehovah God Himself. We find that we need to remember. We also, as we remember, we need to rely upon Him. You see, too many times we're relying upon our strength and our abilities and our all years as, as, as a good faithful Christian and our years in, in a good faithful church and all these things. And I'm saying to you this evening that we need to rely upon the Lord. Notice what he says in verse 4. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. I'm saying when the troubles are there, there is no trouble that is beyond your God that he doesn't care about. He cares about every area of your life. He knows how many hairs are upon your head. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. He understands your heart better than you understand it. Call upon him. David 
knew who he needed to call upon in this time. And he knew that when he called, he knew that God would hear. And he knew that God would answer that prayer. Some writer, and I didn't write down who wrote it. It was in my notes. (laughs) The Christian is not whipped until he is whipped within. You see, that's where we lose our battles. Matter of fact, the greatest battlefield you've heard me say many times is right here in our heads and our minds. Satan wants you to think that you're defeated. He wants you to think that you can't do it. He wants you to think that you can't be victorious. He wants you to think that this thing's got the best of you. Well, he's a liar. That's the same lie that's got the world turned against you in the first place because they don't even accept and acknowledge that God. But as a believer, you have accepted him. You have acknowledged him. Remember who he is. Remember who it is that's your God. Remember that he's your buckler, that he's your shield, that he's your glory, that he's the one that will lift you out of your despondency and call upon him and know that he'll be there and know that he'll hear your prayer and know that he'll answer your prayer. Don't believe Satan's lies. Don't let him beat you down. Ian Bounds says this. He says, trouble is God's servant. (laughs) Doing his will unless he is defeated in the execution of that will. Trouble is under the control of Almighty God and is one of his most efficient agents in fulfilling his purposes and in perfecting his saints. God's hand is in every trouble which breaks into the lives of men. Not that he is directly or arbitrarily orders every unpleasant experience of life. Not that he is personally responsible for every painful and afflicting thing which comes into the life of saint or sinner, but comes with divine permission and is allowed to exist and do its painful work with God's hand on it or in it or on it carrying out his gracious designs of redemption. In other words, this great Christian writer saying, don't forget, nothing's out of God's control. You know what he's being reminded of here and what I believe the psalmist knew, even though that it hadn't been written yet, it probably would have been one of his favorite passages just like mine in Romans chapter 8. Because the Bible says there, and when we've looked at that passage, all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. God doesn't bring a lot of the bad things into your life because in ultimate control. He is sovereign. He is God. And all things will work together for your good. Even if you mess up and you bring a lot of bad things on you that didn't need to be there. The thing to do then is look to God and let Him bring something good out of it for your life. We find that I love when he says, I think he kind of grasped what the last part of that chapter in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God 
which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, that's the same kind of confidence that the psalmist had. His reliance was upon God. Yes, he remembered. Yes, he remembered who his God was, that he was his shield, that he was his glory, that he was the one that would lift him out of despondency. But he cried out to that Lord, and he asked that God, and he knew that when he cried out to God, that he would hear and that he would answer that prayer. That was where his reliance was at. You see, David was in big trouble. (laughs) I mean, big time trouble. But he knew on who he could rely. He knew who he could call upon. So many times. How many times in your life as a Christian, how many times have you heard either this pastor here or somewhere else tell you how important that it is, if you want to be a strong Christian, if you want to be a mature Christian, that the real difference is going to come in those things like praying and reading your Bible and spending time with God. We find that it's the simplest things that make the big difference in our lives. Prayer. Prayer. How much genuine, earnest time. I'm not talking about going through some mechanical words, now I lay me down to sleep. We teach our children to do that to get them in the habit of praying. But there comes a time when you need to get out of that habit of just saying those automatic words and praying like a robot, and it's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. You need to be talking to God from your heart. You need to be spelling it out because He already knows what you feel. He already knows what you think. You may as well just get honest with Him and truly, genuinely rely upon Him for your help, whatever that problem is that's coming your way. And we do that. Then we get the rest of the chapter, which I simply said is the testimony of the Christian. The testimony. You see, that's what's speaking forth. Our testimony will testify of the actual truth and genuineness of our Christian life, of our Christian experience. We face troubles in life. When we face them the right way, then it'll be a testimony to both other believers and the lost world around us. We find that as we look here, notice what he says in verse 5. I laid me down and slept. I await for the Lord sustained me. Anybody ever have trouble getting sleep at night? <laughs> because of the troubles? Because of the mountain of, mountain of problems that you're facing? the mountain of things that you got to get sorted. And man, they just start rolling round and round and round and round and round and round in your head. And they just don't seem to want to go away. Well, most of us have been guilty of that at times. Why? What are we doing? We're thinking on the problems. We're thinking on the difficulties. Instead of relying upon God, we need to remember who it is that our life has been given to. And we need to rely upon Him. And folks, that's easier said, but I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I still spend some of those nights there letting these things roll around in my head because I'm not really relying upon the Lord as much as I should. But that's the trick. If we truly, genuinely give it to God and know that no matter what got us here, that if we'll just genuinely give it to God right now, it's going to come out for the best. He's the one that's in control. We're going to get peace. 
and rest. What is that peace that passeth all understanding? That doesn't even make any sense whatsoever. What kind of a testimony is that to the people around you when they see you going through all these troublesome times and yet they see that peace. They see you able to have a peace amidst all of that storm. I laid me down and slept. I wait. Why? For the Lord, Jehovah God again, for the Lord sustained me. <laughs> the Lord sustained me. He's your strength. He's your power. He is a power that will not run out just because that you're in troubled times or troubled waters. His sustenance is always there. Verse 6, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people. You think he's maybe just being a bit cocky there? No, I think that the problem is he's got to the point now. You know, there, there's times when people in their self-confidence can make statements like that that will get them into big trouble. <laughs> but the truth is, is that no, he's, at a, he's at a point now. He's relying on God so much. He's just not going to let fear get the best of him. I don't care. I mean, I know. I mean, I know there's a lot of them coming against me. But I am not going to be fearful. I'm not going to be fearful, not because of my strength and what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do, but because he was relying upon the Lord. He was resting in the Lord. And therefore, he had the courage that he needed. Notice what he says in verse 7. Arise. O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. I think he had faith in his Lord. I think he really, really believed. God could take care of whatever fighting needed to be done. God could win this battle hands down, no problem whatsoever. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Twofold there. First of all, in, in, in the psalmist's life, he could be talking about a very practical way, salvation from this trouble that you're in right now. And of course, we know that salvation for eternity lies in Him. But right now, you see, the truth is, His salvation, if you don't know it, it'll begin now and it lasts for all of eternity. But the trick is, remember, His salvation, when you're relying upon Him, you can count on the fact. Salvation belongeth to Him. He is Jehovah God. He is the all-powerful, only existing one. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Troubles are a part of life. We've said many times we have a very real enemy. And of course, his influence is all around us. And it doesn't take a whole lot in the world to convince, to convince others to join a cause against anything. And we can see many, many more joining the cause every day against Christianity, against the things of God. Satan does his job pretty well in this world. There are many. They're active. They don't know our God. They certainly don't expect and believe the consequences of coming against Him.
but we do. We didn't choose their betrayal. They've chosen that for themselves. They are the ones that have believed a lie. We've got to use proper tactics. It begins in our minds and our hearts. We've got to remember whose side it is that we're really on. We've got to remember that the Bible makes it very clear that we are in Him. We've got to remember what that means, what we really have in Him, who it is that we've committed our lives to, that we've aligned our allegiances with, that we're fighting alongside of. He is our shield. He's the one that's going to protect us. He is our glory. He's the one that'll lift our heads out of despondency. He's the one that'll encourage our souls. We can rely upon Him. We must rely upon Him. We need to take Him at His word. He will hear and He will answer our prayers. He will, no matter what it is in your life, He will work it to good for you. Trust Him. The world can only see Him through our lives. That's the way He chose it. That's where He lives. The world around us, the very ones that are our enemies, if they're going to see Him, they're going to see Him in us. And it's our lives that will testify of Him. But if they see us not getting on any better than the world out there without Him, what kind of a testimony is that? The truth is we're not trying to say that we're going to avoid the problems and avoid the troubles. It's how we're going to get through them. The troubles are real in this life. But how we handle them will be the testimony to those around us. Will they see that, that confidence, that peace, that faith that can only come through truly relying and trusting Him? Our faith is in Him. He will deliver us. He is. Our salvation is not in some code of conduct. It's not in some covenant that we signed. It's in a person. It's in Him, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is the one that is sovereign over all. And He's the one that His hand of blessing will be upon His own. Father, we thank You so much this evening. Lord, as we've looked at this psalm and just reminded ourselves Lord, David had a reason to be discouraged, to be despondent. Lord, the people in this world that he cared the most about had turned against him, were hunting him down like an animal. But yet we see that as he remembers, remember who it is, remembering whose side it is that he's on, remembering who you are that he's, that he's trusted his life to and relying upon that. Lord, we pray that you would help us to learn from that this evening, to remember whose side we're on, to rely upon you in the midst of our troubles. Father, as we look across this congregation this evening, you know the hearts of each one. There may be somebody here this evening that, Lord, they're going through the troubles of this world all on their own because they've never committed their life to Jesus Christ. 
Lord, I pray especially for them this evening. I pray that they may come to realize and recognize that, whew, there's only two sides to this thing, and I'm on the wrong side. I pray right now this evening, Lord, that before another day could come to a close, that as they recognize that and realize that, Lord, that with all their heart they would seek you, that they might receive forgiveness of their sins based upon what Jesus Christ has finished for them when he died upon the cross and shed his blood when they put him in that tomb. And three days later he rose again, defeating death, defeating hell, defeating it all. Even for those that sit right here tonight that have never trusted in him, he's waiting with outstretched arms. His sacrifice was sufficient. I pray that this would be the day of their salvation because salvation belongs to you. It's in a person, not in a church, not in a denomination. And Father, for every Christian here this evening, Lord, we know there's plenty of things around. This world is big and there's plenty of people out there to get us discouraged, depressed, despondent. And Lord, it takes away the joy and it not only affects us, but it affects the people around us. I pray that whatever troubles, whatever might be troubling your children here this evening, that they could have the same confidence that the psalmist did. They remember whose side it is that they're on. Remember just who it is that's their protector. Remember just who it is right here, right now, in the midst of whatever it is that they're facing, who it is that they can rely upon to bring them through. And Father, we pray that you would strengthen and encourage for whatever lies ahead tomorrow that in all of our lives, that our testimony might be one to where people can see that, Lord, we, we're not above the problems and the troubles and the difficulties, but they can see the one in our lives that makes the difference because they can see him through us. Of course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen.